This is the Future Talent Podcast, a future-focused podcast series showing the channels that enterprise can engage today to empower their current employees and future-proof the talent pipeline of tomorrow. This series is brought to you by Technological University Dublin's Enterprise Academy. We create learning solutions to enable your business success. Want to find out how we can support your learning and development needs? Visit www.tudublin.ie forward slash enterprise dash academy to book in a call with our team. Hello and welcome back to the Future Talent Podcast. If you are new to the series, thank you for joining us and do feel free to listen back to the previous episodes in your own time, where we look at key topics in the area of talent development and university enterprise engagement, such as authentic assessment, the role of generative AI and the future of work, and we've explored the elusive topic of soft skills, just to name a few. Today, in this episode, we are joined by Greta Stahl, Senior Director of Organisational Learning and Development at Workday. That's an enterprise software company with European headquarters based in Dublin. And actually, as Greta shares, Workday are currently building their new European headquarters on TU Dublin's Grange Gorman campus. So we were delighted to have Greta join us at the Future Talent Forum in Grange Gorman back in June this year to talk about building a skills-based strategy for an organisation. Her talk is based on the learnings from work currently underway at Workday to embed this skills-based strategy across their organisation. I like how Greta explains this is a learn-as-you-go process, as this approach to organisational design is relatively new where organisations are shifting from a traditional role-based structure to one that empowers employees to continuously upskill or reskill as their work evolves in the company. With the skills-based strategy, employees are not brought in to do one specific and possibly limiting job role with a set list of tasks to be done, but instead hiring managers are moving toward describing the skill set of their ideal candidate. After listening to Greta, it becomes clear to me that this proposed skills-based strategy could be the key to responding to the rapidly evolving workspace. As technology becomes more sophisticated and replaces routine job tasks, employees will add value in other more human ways to help workplaces remain social hubs of learning with continuous social interaction, ideation and creation. I think so long as organisations continue to create a sense of purpose, momentum and progressive opportunity for their teams, they will attract and retain great talent. I am going to pick up where Kate left off this morning talking about the currency of skills. Um, I thought she made a very compelling argument using data for why skills are so important and why we should all consider a skills-based strategy. What I'm going to talk about is what happens after you make that decision. So what does it actually look like internally when you make a decision to move to a skills-based strategy? And in particular, what does that look like from a learning and development perspective? So as Claire said, I'm responsible for enterprise learning and development at Workday, which means that my team oversees all of the learning programs that go out to our whole company. Everything from day one onboarding through the upskilling programs that we put on for our employees throughout the course of their career. Um, For those of you who don't know Workday, we're an enterprise software company. We have about 18,000 people, 1,800 of which are located here in Dublin. Um, We provide HR, finance, 
uh, planning software primarily to large organizations. Um, we've been around since 2005 when our founders had the radical notion that enterprise software should be built from the cloud, from the ground up. Not so radical now, but it was very different back then. Um, and we've been in Dublin since 2008 when Workday acquired a company of about 20 people called Cape Clear. Um, and we've been building here ever since. Um, and we have been very proud to enter into a partnership with TU Dublin um, over the last few years, which will culminate with the opening in a few years of our new headquarters uh, on the edge of the campus over here. So if you see that big dirt plot and you wonder what's going there, Workday will be there soon. Um, so, as I said, I'm responsible for learning and development across our organization, which means that my social media feeds and my news feeds regularly look something like this. Tech layoffs, um, we're all worried about that in the HR world. Um, how many jobs are going to disappear as the result of artificial intelligence? What are the increasing demands that our employees are making of us all the time? And how can we possibly come up with solutions that allow us to address all of these things at the same time? It's dire warning after dire warning, report after report, telling us about all the challenges uh, that are facing us. And if any of you work in the learning and development space, the HR space, I'm going to predict, although I haven't seen them, that many of your news feeds look much the same. Uh, we are living in an interesting moment where there's a number of colliding forces that are making our jobs very difficult. Uh, we are in the middle of an enormous digital transformation. We heard earlier today about how ChatGPT is changing the world, and we don't even know what it's going to look like. A couple of years from now, technology is accelerating at an incredible pace. Um, and that means that everyone from our children all the way up through employees and all different levels of the organization are having to figure out how to work with it. There's massive global disruption happening all around us. And I think in the midst of all of that, the expectations of our employees are changing. Generationally, we see study after study that tells us that today's workers have high expectations of their employer in a different way than used to be true, right? They come in, they want career mobility. They want to work for a company where they feel a sense of purpose. They want opportunities to, for learning and development. They care about things like sustainability. And we, as their employers, have to come up with a way to satisfy all those things if we want to retain those, those employees, if we want them to do great work. And that's what we want, right? We want our people to show up with a sense of purpose. We want our people to want to stay. Um, so how do we do that? Um, I thought this morning there was a great case for why a skills-based strategy is necessary to hire people effectively. I think it's just as important to retain people effectively. Um, what you see here on the left side are some of the key business challenges that we hear about from business leaders all the time. How are we upskilling people to meet the needs of the future? How are we providing opportunities for advancement so people stay in the organization? How are we recruiting talent and diverse talent to that point that are coming in with different experiences and different knowledge? And then how are we developing that talent? But what you see on the right side are some stats that actually come from exit interviews that we did at Workday. So when a worker chooses to leave the company, what's the reason that they give for leaving the company? And you see a pretty big theme there, right? They feel dissatisfied with opportunities for growth. They didn't know what their career path was. They didn't understand what their opportunities to get learning were. I want to be really clear, this is not all of our employees. Um, it's not that three, three of all, all of them are dissatisfied with growth, but those who choose to leave leave because they don't understand what the future looks like for them at the organization. So there's an interesting point of intersection where the business says, we need to create opportunities for learning and development. And our employees are telling us, 
We want learning and development. We want mobility. We want career growth. So this is really one of those rare situations where you can satisfy the needs of everybody by doing the right thing. Um, and I think the skills-based strategy is really the way to do that. We are firm believers that skills and skills-based frameworks are what will enable our workers and our leaders to make good decisions that drive performance for the business and growth for both the business and the employee. And as I said this morning, Kate, I thought, made a really good case about why that's true from a hiring perspective, but it's not just from a hiring perspective. And, and I really want to emphasize that because if we think about skills just as something that we use to inform how we hire, we are missing out on the many ways that it should influence the whole framework that we have for developing our talent over time. So if we think about recruiting and onboarding, what you see at the top of that graphic, how do you then teach and help that talent that you're bringing in to grow? And how do you think about that from a skills lens? What are the skills that they brought in? What are the skills that they need to be successful in their job now? And as that job changes over time, more data that Kate told us about this morning, how do we continue to reskill them as that job evolves? How do we assess their performance based on the way that they're applying those skills and determine whether or not they have the proficiency that they need to do their job? How do we reward them for developing those skills and applying those skills in the work that they're doing? If we look at it from a business lens, we should be asking ourselves questions like, okay, our products are gonna evolve over the next couple of years. What is that gonna mean for the skill needs of the organization? How will they change? And how can we plan resources accordingly to either hire or to retrain our talent to make sure that we have the right skills in the organization? How do we forecast and benchmark with that kind of information and then use all of that data again, to make all of those talent-based decisions. So I hope you can see from this graphic that skills isn't something that you're just thinking about in the context of hiring. It really should be informing your talent strategy from top to bottom and cyclically all around, over and over across time. So I like to say that skills are really important. They're also kind of hard. Like this is a lot of work to get this right. And that's something that we're going through internally right now as we transform our talent strategy. Because even something simple like figuring out what skills do you need to do this job well? That's a loaded question, right? Like there's a lot of information that go into assessing what skills are required, what is the proficiency level of each of those skills. If I wanna get promoted, is my proficiency level need to be different and which skills are needed to go to the next level? So there's a lot of information that needs to be captured both on the business side and on the employee side in order to get this right. I'm not trying to scare anyone, just to be clear, um, but it's very easy to talk about skills at a high level and say this is a good idea, and it's much more difficult to actually make the decisions and do the work to implement a skills-based strategy. So I wanna talk a little bit about what that means from a learning perspective, since it's obviously so much of what we're trying to do today. As I said, my team is responsible for enterprise upskilling, which means that we're thinking about what are those consistent skills that we need to see across the entire organization. And when we talk about skills internally, we tend to talk about three types of skills. Core skills, which I think are really similar to what has been called soft skills today, which are really the enduring behavioral skills that span across the entire organization. So whether you're in sales, marketing, product, technology, finance, everyone should have this set of skills. And at Workday, we did work a couple years ago to define nine core skills that we think everyone should be proficient in across the organization, and if people are lacking those skills, to ensure that we have development available to help them build those skills. The second is what we call job skills. 
Those are the more technical or job-dependent skills that will vary depending on the type of job that you have. And then finally, we have unique skills, which are skills that an individual may be bringing to the table that are not being leveraged in the work that they're doing today. So for example, perhaps you speak a language that you're not called to use in the work that you're doing today. I had a coworker who always used to joke that her unique skill was basket weaving, and she had yet to find a job at Workday that allowed her to bring her unique skills to the work. So when we think about development, we think about these three different levels of skills, and it gives us direction on how to approach them from an upskilling perspective. In our organization, those core skills tend to be driven by my team from an upskilling perspective. Since they sit across the organization, we want to have consistent methodology. We want to think about teaching them consistently across the company. And those are things like candid communication, execution, curiosity. Those are three of our nine core skills. On the other side, on job skills, they tend to be driven by our functional organizations because the expertise in those areas sit in the business, right? I would never try and teach someone how to sell I'm not very good at that. Um, and there's a whole world of terms that they use in our product and technology organization that I don't know what they mean. Uh, for years now, we've joked that one of our top Udemy courses that we offer is something on Kubernetes, which I don't know what it is. And I, at this point, don't want to know because I enjoy using the word Kubernetes without knowing what it means. Um, so I prefer that education on those topics sit with the people who know what they are and can actually have the knowledge to teach people about that, which is why they sit in the business. So core skills sit with my team, job skills sit across, and then we leverage our own product, Workday Technology, to give people opportunities um, to access those learning opportunities. So learning, traditional coursework, right? We have uh, instructor-led training, we have e-learning, we leverage Talent marketplace, marketplace, which is an internal opportunity marketplace where people can host gigs on their team part-time, and other workmates, can, what we call our employees, can sign up to do part-time work with other teams to build new skills or get exposure to other, side of the uh, other sides of the organization. Career Hub is a, a part of our product where we bring this different functionality together, uh, including leveraging data from our skills cloud and providing opportunities for connections and mentoring. Uh, so no matter which part of the organization you're coming from, your experience leverages the same set of tools, the same set of technology. So it's not like different parts of the organization are having entirely different learning experiences. So in my team, we've really tried to focus on that core skill work as I mentioned, and our priorities have really sat in three areas. Um, one, in order to accelerate core skill development, we've focused on making sure we define how, what core skills really look like. There was a great conversation this morning, I think it was Jane who was talking about getting really good at saying, this is what good looks like. This is what not so good looks like, and getting very clear behaviorally on those definitions. So we've focused on that, and then developing a set of common practices that are very actionable and tangible to help people get better where they struggle. I'll give you an example. So candid communication is one of the core skills that we've focused on. It's hard, like getting people to be able to give candid feedback, have difficult conversations is really challenging. And so we've, rather than trying to say, we're gonna take you from not so good to expert at this all at once, we're gonna give you some quick tools. So next time you're giving feedback, I want you to try using SBI, situation behavior impact, and think about framing your feedback that way. Um, try that out, then come try this next thing and see if this next thing helps you. Really actionable things that people can use in the course of work uh, quickly, and then we can iterate on those things to see if they work and whether or not we want to try something different. 
Beyond that, I like to remember that the demand for learning and development comes from two different places. It comes from individuals who know their individual strengths and weaknesses, and we want to make sure that we're offering them access to training. Um, so we're improving content curation. We're working with partners to make sure that we have a huge library of content that they can get to if they are trying to figure out what they want to learn. On the business side, we want to make sure that we're getting information from our business leaders on what those evolving skills are for the future so that we can really be focusing on our efforts on those places where we know we have an opportunity to impact a large variety of people across the organization based on the skill needs of the future. The other thing that we're doing is making sure that the content that we're building is really fit to need. So depending on the skill, we might want something that's really small, the stuff that you see on the left, that can be used in the course of work. If it's a much more robust skill set that we know is gonna take time to build, we were gonna wanna offer something more robust over time, possibly in a cohort format where people really have time to develop that skill. So for those things that are in the course of work where someone says, geez, I need to have a guide on how I can have this feedback conversation. We might have quick cards, which are easy job aids or podcasts or things that you can consume quickly and apply quickly. For skills that we want to build over time, we start to look at things that are a little more in depth. Just yesterday, we had an event over in the beautiful music auditorium in this building about building your business IQ and helping our workmates understand what our company does at a higher level so that they could connect their own work to our strategies and priorities and make better decisions about how to prioritize the things that they should be doing. And then on the far end, you'll see university accredited courses there. We've had a great opportunity to work with our partners here uh, to develop a set of courses, including the Entrepreneurial Leadership Program that got mentioned before, which is for senior leaders in our organization who really want to think about how to build their business impact and their leadership skills within the organization. We also have 60 students who are going for through a postgraduate certification course in um, cybersecurity, and we're getting ready to launch a new postgraduate certificate course this fall on machine learning. Again, going back to everyone's favorite topic, uh, because this is a particularly high area of need within our business. And so it's really been about for us identifying what is the need, what is the problem we are trying to solve, and then what will work for our learners to fit that need, rather than trying to have a one-size-fits-all approach for everything. It's not perfect yet. I'd like to be able to get up here and say that I've, I've cracked the code and I know exactly what works for every learning situation. For us, it's really been about experimentation, trying out different solutions and being willing to iterate to try and solve that skills puzzle from a development perspective. And so that's what we're gonna keep doing. We're gonna continue experimenting. We're gonna continue to look for new opportunities to try different things and see what works for our learners and where we're able to drive impact. One of the things that's gonna be great as the skills strategy evolves is that we're gonna have better data on what skills people have today and what skill proficiency they have tomorrow, which will give us better information on whether our programs are working, right? To be able to access that data to see whether their skills are actually building. Um, and then we'll continue to work to meet learners where they are. So meet them in the flow of work, look for those opportunities that are really fit for purpose to help them in the moment that they need it. So, in conclusion, and I'll take a couple questions after this, I just want to say, if you remember nothing else, uh, the world of work is changing, right? All those things we talked about in the beginning, and the need for learning in that world is bigger than ever, right? As it becomes harder and harder for people to keep up with the pace of change, it's on us as learning professionals to think about how we help support them and make them successful through skilling, upskilling, reskilling. A skills-based framework, I think, makes it easier to do that 
once you get it in place, but it takes you doing the work within the organization to put that framework in place in an effective, usable way. And I, I just would continue to say over and over again that learning content has to be fitted uh, to the need of the learner. One size is never gonna fit all, and so you have to think about what is the context in which someone is gonna use it and design for that context, or in their very busy day with a million priorities going on, they won't use it. And as many beautiful programs as we can build, if they don't use it, if they don't learn from it, we're not doing anything effective. So design for the skill need, design for the learner, and hopefully continue to iterate to drive the success you need. Thank you. That was brilliant and brilliant insight and to see how the iterations and the experimentations have, have aided your journey. Is it too early or what impact has it had on your attrition rates? Because it's the sell, really, you yeah. know, as to what's the wins out of this. And I'm sure there's been lots, but what have the biggest wins been and has attrition um, or turnover of staff improved because of this? Yeah, the good news is our attrition is still relatively low. And so we're in the lucky position of trying to fix a problem that's not a big problem yet. So rather than just focus on attrition, which is a bit of a lagging indicator, we tend to look at employee sentiment as a more short-term indicator to help us know how we're doing. Um, we use Pecan, which is a Workday product, which is a constant sensing uh, tool. So we have a standard set of questions that every employee gets, and they get five of those questions every week. So we're getting new data all the time. And one of the sets of questions we asked about is about learning, people, whether people feel like they have access to learning and development and whether they feel like they're growing professionally. And we actually had a company level goal last year to improve our scores in both of those areas. And I'm very pleased to say that we were able to do that. And I think a lot of that has been really concentrated effort on the part of our team and the functional partners that we work with, because I certainly won't take all the credit for this, to think about what are the areas of need for our workers and to try and get very actionable, usable tools into their hands um, that are easy to find. Because if they can't find it, it doesn't help anyone either. Um, does it need to be recognized? Does it need to be accredited? Is that a motivator for employees um, or not? Yeah, so my early experience with this, and I'll say, you know, we're only about a year into this program, is it is a draw for our employees. Like, they want to have the postgraduate certificate associated with the course. And I think it's particularly in the moments when they're feeling like, I'm really overwhelmed, I have a lot to do, what is going to be the cost to me of not finishing that that can become the carrot that gets them over the hump when they're feeling frustrated or like they don't have the time to do it. Um, I think one of the biggest challenges that we have right now as learning professionals is just there's so much noise. People are overwhelmed with information. It's hard to find what they're looking for. There's an infinite amount of opportunities and different work and different things to do. And so even when we run amazing programming, we'll have a ton of interest and then like a third of people just won't show up. And if you run something over time, then that number just keeps going up because sustaining them through the course of the program as life happens, as work happens, is really hard. And so I think having something very tangible associated with it at the end can be very helpful to create a draw for people when they're feeling like, is it worth it for me to put this in? Because that's something that's not just workday specific. If they were to go somewhere else, they carry it with them. And we know that particularly earlier generations are very interested, based on what the research is telling us, in having the career currency of things that they can carry with them that give them optionality. 
between different roles. And I don't mean to suggest that's not important in other generations too, but the research I've seen says that particularly earlier in career generations are very focused on optionality and how do I position myself um, to be successful no matter where I go. And I think accreditation does that. So what types, uh, do you have any insights into what types of learning uh, are best for retaining staff for retention? Mm. Um, you know, is it engaging with a learning platform? Is it engaging with accredited learning, et cetera? What keeps them in the company for the longest? Yeah, I think it's tricky. I don't know if I'd say what keeps them in the company longest. I think what keeps them in the company longest is a feeling that there's opportunity for growth and mobility. I think learning is part of that, but I would say that formal learning is only a small part of that. So I think accreditation helps because it gives them a, a feeling of optionality, right? I've added something to my CV that I now carry with me over time. But I think more than anything, what they need to see is that the learning that they're doing is translating to, I have opportunities to take on bigger projects. I have opportunities to apply for other roles. Um, I'm taking on more responsibility. I'm getting more compensation. And so if the learning doesn't translate to opportunity, they're going to leave. I actually think that's the bigger point of frustration is if you ask them to do a bunch of development work and then they don't see anything that comes out of that, you're done, right? I, so I wouldn't think about it just as what can we build that they'll like. It'll be what can we build and then how do we ensure that after they complete it, it translates to more opportunity for them. Does that make sense? As you will have heard, we left in some questions our audience had for Greta as it points to the key questions on many employers' minds. That is, attrition rates, how to successfully retain talent. And I think the last question helped Greta to point to a key takeaway for all employers. That is the fact that learning should open up more career opportunity for employees within your organisation. They need to feel a sense of progress, achievement and career momentum for engaging in the learning. If companies can lock in tangible rewards to encourage employees to continually learn, upskill and reskill, this will be a win-win for the growth of the business and the employee. And of course, if your organisation would like to explore learning and development options at TU Dublin, the Enterprise Academy will be happy to arrange a call to hear more about your organisation's learning needs. You will find relevant contact details in the show notes or on the website tudublin.ie forward slash enterprise academy. Our thanks to Greta Stahl for sharing her time and knowledge. And to you, the listener, for tuning in to the Future Talent Podcast. <laughs>